Hello there and welcome to In Your Own Kin. I'm your host Charlotte. I'm a lover of great food, sometimes artist, sleep-in advocate, storyteller, mama and postpartum professional in Nam, Melbourne. Each week I'll be chatting to families about their journey into parenthood, the grandest of adventures. Parenting is beautiful, messy, sparkly, hard work. You were never meant to do this alone. It's time to get comfy in your own kin. In Your Own Kin acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land where you are listening to today's episode. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging and recognise that the telling of stories has happened here since time immemorial. In Your Own Kin is recorded by the Birurung on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty of these lands has not and is not ceded and it remains stolen. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. In this week's episode, Julia shares her parenthood journey and life with Cam and their sons Emmett and Sonny. Julia speaks with such warmth and generosity. She reflects on the sparkly moments, meeting her babes, navigating life as a family of four, and her commitment to sharing her love of lifelong learning with her children. Julia also shares the moments of her journey that have been grey, experiencing two miscarriages, a loss that she describes as completely heart-wrenching, the challenges that came with learning to breastfeed and the haze of the first six weeks following Emmett's birth. This episode has it all. Julia is a trained pre- and postnatal yin and vinyasa yoga teacher, and you can find all of Julia's beautiful offerings on her Instagram, Yoga with Julia Rose. Julia also shares a heap of really excellent healthcare providers in this episode, and I've linked all of these, including Julia's Instagram, in the show notes. If you would like to see some photos of Julia and her gorgeous family, head on over to Kin by Charlotte on Instagram. I really hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Here's Julia. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today, Julia. It's just such a pleasure to be able to speak with you today. And you, Charlotte. So excited to be on your podcast. Mm. Wonderful. Julia, would you like to let the listeners know a little bit about you, where you're living and who's in your family? Sure. So a little bit about me. I'm a mum of two. I live in Melbourne. Uh, with my beautiful little family. And I say little, I have a four-month-old and a three-year-old. I'm married to my husband. We've been married for eight years now, which I can't believe it's been that long already. (laughs) Um, Time flies. Before having kids, I was a primary school teacher and that's has evolved into yoga teaching since and I still technically am on mat leave from my primary teaching role uh, and definitely would love to go back at some point but really just became really involved in the yoga space and I'm absolutely loving loving it so I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that I love being outdoors I love keeping fit and being healthy and and really supporting my family to do the same so yeah gorgeous and was yoga a part of your life prior to pregnancy, Julia, or is that something? Yeah. That, yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. How did you come to yeah. yoga? Sure. So I 
hit the mat quite a lot. So I would go have a regular yoga practice and it was really to support my um, stress and anxiety. I found that it was so amazing how I could leave each yoga session feeling so much taller and more vibrant inside and out. And I'd start in the morning and I'd go to work. And by the time work had started, I was just becoming this sort of stress ball and I could feel tension, you know, building in my body. And it was just, for me, yoga was just the most beautiful way for me to really feel connected to my body, my thoughts, to really help me feel grounded and yeah, just so much more centered. I found that yoga was really beneficial for me to do. I'd probably say that I had a yoga practice for five plus years Mm -hmm. before actually deciding to, yeah, take it on and learn a lot more about the philosophy, I suppose. I really found I couldn't walk away from it. I wanted that to be so much more a part of my life and my practice and and just my daily routine and, and, yeah, the benefits have been profound. Yes. Oh my gosh, the mat is so powerful. Mm, yeah, definitely. And look, I think we all walk into the studio, you know, to the Shala for for different reasons. And I, I definitely find that it's time for me. It's time for me to just forget about everything else that's going on in the world. Yeah. Um, and it's just my, you know, hour of just tuning out and tuning in, tuning out for external and tuning into self. Mm, so important. Yeah. Take me back to pre-parenthood. What was life like when it was you and your husband? Yeah, good question. So pre-baby, we I met Cam when we, when we were both 24 when we met. Yeah, we basically just lived life just young and frivolous and it was just amazing. We would <laughs> go out and party and just live freely and it was just great. We'd, you know, spend all our money on cafes and going out at night and all sorts. It was just wonderful. So, yeah, had a really good, fruitful 20s. And for me, myself personally, I was working in the corporate arena and I, I definitely, it just didn't resonate with me. I just wasn't mm. the type of person to be dog eat dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it wasn't supportive. I found that you were your own person. No one had your back. It was just very much, you know, people trying to climb, which it seems pretty insane because <laughs> there's only fewer positions at the top, right? Yeah. It was just such a different environment. And I, you know, I persevered. I was, I was worked really hard more than I probably should have. Mm. Um, definitely burnt myself out. I just knew something had to change. So um, in my late 20s, I had an an awesome opportunity come up within the company that I was working for. So it was in workplace training and I went into instructional design. And so I created a lot of training programs for different organizations. And then I basically became a relationship consultant. I loved actually the making and creating content. That was just so much fun because you could engage with the the learning and education teams within organizations. That was so much fun. But I loved being a relationship consultant. I loved the, you know, sort of nurturing those, the relationships that we'd, we'd, we'd formed and getting to know each company more intimately that I was working with. Yeah. So that was all wonderful. But my role became really quickly much more about business and securing business and, and the numbers and I, it just wasn't me. Mm, <laughs> so yeah. I, I actually had an opportunity to take on some further study. At that point, I hadn't actually done any higher ed. I travelled extensively in my late teens, early 20s, lived in London for a couple of years. But I decided to, yeah, take on this undergrad, which was in adult learning and development, very much uh, in accordance with my role that I was in at the moment at that time. 
And yeah, it was brilliant. But I, I really learned a lot about myself in that time. And I think it was sort of just really finding my voice in terms of as you're studying, you sort of learn to sort of put your own spin on what you're actually reading and researching. And, um, and that was really powerful for me. And then from there, I decided to quit my job. And I decided to take on full-time study. So I became, I was two years in a master's in education with Melbourne Uni and developed a really good rapport through the program that I was doing with um, some primary schools in Melbourne and, yeah, landed a job really close to home. And I just just knew that I'd made the right choice. It was just, um, it was where I needed to be. I just loved working with the children. And I think fundamentally what I... Have always been driven to do is support people's learning and development mm. and what more of a powerful way to do that with children because you know they're starting out in life and to support them on that journey going into you know adolescence but yeah I really found a, a deep heartfelt connection to that role it was really beautiful so good for your soul when you find just that perfect fit right that personal and professional kind of overlap yes 100 percent. and I just I think that's the thing it's when something's not resonating, mm-hmm. I think the older that you get, the more you kind of feel like you can. I had less fear in, anyway about making changes and making shifts. In fact, I probably became felt more empowered to, to keep striving for the things that really did make my heart sing and yes. gave me that sense of satisfaction and fulfilment because I think that definitely drives you to 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 get up every day and and mm. keep doing the very best you can do. And and so I I hand on heart do believe and feel that I am a lifelong learner and I just love that whole notion of just keep on learning and keep exploring things. So yeah, yeah it um it's yeah, well, that whole process was really, really empowering and very powerful in terms of it pursuing additional study. And I think it now just sort of seeps into life constantly for me now and that hunger for for the learning and and that satisfaction that you feel when you are learning so and at what point did you begin those conversations with cam that perhaps it was time to start thinking about having a family or did you have those conversations at all yeah that's a really good point Charlotte so um (laughs) he cam obviously supported me a lot during that time when I was studying so you know he, he was basically earning the money and I was studying and there was a lot of sacrifice and cam as I said was unbelievably supportive for me in that time to to pursue that and to pursue my dreams which was great Mm. and then um I think we sort of hit we got married at 31 we were both 31 when we got married and then Cam was you know pretty vocal in sort of saying you know I really want a a family I want to start a family Mm. but for me I just wasn't ready and I think the the reason being was I had finally found Mm. a, a really strong connection with my school and the teaching community and socially I just felt really you know connected to the to the people that I was now surrounded by and I I didn't want to sacrifice that I'd I'd sort of worked so hard studying for Mm -hmm. you know five or so years by then and I just wanted to sort of enjoy working and and finally being in that space again yeah so so he was fine it wasn't too much pressure at all he was just you know just letting me know that that's what eventually we'd like to have he'd like to start a family and we decided we were both avid travellers, so we travelled an awful lot and then we decided to make um, Africa was going to be our last trip. We are both pretty fit, so we decided to um, climb Mount Kilimanjaro. So Amazing. 
yeah, it was it was phenomenal, such an amazing experience. So yeah, that was going to be our last hurrah, and you know we trained pretty hard for that. And being at altitude was challenging, but we got through it. So yeah, after that we um, decided to come home and um, start trying for a family. It was really important for me to start to see a naturopath and naturopathy and homeopathy had always been part of my younger life and I, I saw so many benefits of, of having support for health through those means. Yeah, we started seeing a lady in a practice in North Fitzroy and, yeah, that was brilliant. I was just so content that we were really supporting ourselves as best as possible to really get our optimal health. And then a few months later we sort of decided to start trying we were kind of really fortunate we fell pregnant straight away so we were away in Byron Bay at this stage and I was like oh I'm you know I didn't have a super regular period so you know (laughs) I um, wasn't too alarmed but then I thought no this has been like about four days now I might just do a pregnancy test and I thought oh you know it's definitely not going to be positive but sure enough it was so we were really elated we were just like oh my gosh and everything was just you know we were in Byron Bay and it was just like the most amazing <laughs> time I was just like oh my gosh like euphoria I was yeah it just I can't even describe it was just Aww. phenomenal it's so funny because I was very sort of guarded around sort of letting anyone else in I think I was more a bit worried about you know, what if it didn't work out and, you know, everyone to, to still be then asking questions about it. So I kind of, we, we both decided to keep it under wraps, just, you know, just allow that early stage to sort of pass by. But my parents were going around away overseas for a long trip and I decided to, I just couldn't hold on to it anymore. I, I just wanted to let them know before they went. So I was about seven weeks pregnant um, at that stage and I told them and they were just you know obviously over the moon so excited for us and that meant so much to have to be able to share that with them but to have their support and you know that to share that excitement together yeah everything was going well I, like, I felt great I was like this is this is really wonderful I'm having a really good experience and then I started to um, get some spotting around about week 11 mm-hmm. and it wasn't bad at all I wasn't sort of fresh blood I was just you know you know just noticing that um, I had like a little bit of um, spotting so we decided to just do the right thing and we were advised to pull forward our uh, scan by one week and to be honest we thought we were going in just to to just it was just just to check how everything's going we were fairly fairly confident that it would be okay but unfortunately bubs it had stopped growing from six weeks so that was a real shock for us we had a miscarriage obviously and that was yeah gut-wrenching is just not even the word to describe it it was just like whole world just you know felt like it was falling apart yeah I still you know get quite emotional about it now it's just such Mm. a heavy thing to lose um a little being and yeah, I think the thing is you just, especially with the amount of work that you could do, we certainly did ahead of our, you know, starting to have a family. And, you know, I think when when you when we did start a family, we obviously sacrificed a lot. Like our lifestyle changed quite significantly. And I kind of for a long time felt like I was in no man's land, you know. It, we mm. were trying for something that we didn't quite have. But, you know, and we weren't doing all of the things that we could do when in our single life. So it was this whole transition of how life was when we were single and, you know, carefree to then really sort of focusing on something that we we wasn't quite in our reach yet um, and really working towards that. And so it was really, really challenging. And that that was a really tricky time. Mm, It was kind of, yeah, it was uh, I think about eight months later 
Mm-hmm. Um, we, we're trying, obviously, all throughout that time. Eight months later, we finally conceived again. Uh, but again, we had a miscarriage. Uh, but this happened a lot sooner this time. It was, it, which I just knew that it wasn't going to work out. I just had a feeling that it was just wasn't going to. It was, you know, spotting again, and I just, yeah, I was like, okay, I, d- I don't think this is going to happen. And I felt not as um, traumatized by that experience, just more accepting of, okay, well, this doesn't work this time, but let's go again and we'll try again. And, you know, but I think the most promising thing for us both was the fact that we'd have been able to conceive both those times. So it could happen. It was just a matter of timing for us. I think it was a few months later and I finally, we felt pregnant again and, you know, I was really hell-bent on having an earlier scan to make sure everything was okay. Um, and sure enough, it was. And, yeah, case <laughs> Um, That was our first babe and now he's three and a handful now, toddler. <laughs> oh but it was, yeah, it was really beautiful. So You speak so beautifully about that transition to parenthood, Julia, and I think that that begins as soon as you kind of whisper those words about wanting to start a family anyway and the loss of a babe at any point is so heart-wrenching because you already have a vision for them. You have hopes and dreams and and you love that little being. So it's yeah. such a, a massive loss. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the way I feel about it anyway is that that is a life. That was a life. It had a heartbeat. Um, it's still very much a part of us, you know, as part of our, our journey. So, you know, unfortunately we we didn't have an opportunity to to meet that being. But mm. um, I, I think it was it was definitely needed as part of our journey. And and I think for me personally to be able to share that with um, other women as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, through through yoga, I've definitely had uh, workshops and opportunities to be able to share in that experience with other women and sort of just, just to be an ear. I think it's, yeah. you know, I think there's so much to brew around. I was sort of alluding to before around we kept everything under wraps and didn't want to tell everyone because there's so much taboo about talking about your pregnancy so early. But to mm. be honest, it's re- it could be really isolating. The fewer people that know about it, the less energy that's there to support you. And it's it's so powerful in being able to to share and and to allow people to comfort you in times of need. Mm. Um, it's not always a happy experience, you know. So, yeah, having your a community around you and and people that you trust is is really important and 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 for times where you don't sometimes it's actually worse you know if you have a lot of people around you that that you know and you want to that you know want to hear everything and and you don't want to talk um or you don't feel like they understand you know if they've never been it through through it themselves that can be really challenging so I think in the yoga space, I've been able to. I've had quite a few women that I've uh, that have opened up through some workshops that I've done and and shared their story and just felt such relief because mm. they were able to share with like minded people that totally got the process without having that emotional connection to family, friends, you know, sort of almost all of their worries and fears being re- uh, laid onto you, and that's just yes. you know that's not helpful. <laughs> So yeah. it can go both ways, right? I think sometimes having a community that's not family and and, and friends is mm-hmm. is really really important. But then, you know, having the support of close ones is is um, can be comforting when you need it. Also, definitely, I think it's really interesting. I've been thinking about that a lot myself recently. But that having a circle or even just someone mm-hmm. that's external, that person that 
can be a connection without a level of expectation is really hugely powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. And so I think through, yeah, through my, the yoga and the offerings that I'd I'd worked on before, that was so important to me. I just knew that there needed to be more in that space to give women a chance to be able to connect with like-minded people, basically. Yeah. Mm, so important. And let's talk about that third pregnancy. How were you feeling physically? Yeah, great. I think fitness has always been a big thing for me. So I, you know, I completed triathlons and fun runs and, you know, Oxfam trail walks and all all sorts of things. So it was physically I felt great. Um, mm. Obviously tired, but I I didn't have much morning sickness. I I think the tiredness was probably the biggest thing and food aversions for that first little bit. But then after that, got into that golden second trimester and just felt a million dollars and kept up with my fitness. And, you know, I, I became really aware of pelvic floor health and that started that whole journey of understanding that a lot more and my own experiences. <laughs> but that was, again, this is really, it was really great learning it. It's all stuff that I'm utilizing now so and can share with others. So yeah, but I, the third pregnancy was great. I just knew that I had quite a, a calm baby. It wasn't erratic, just moved really slowly and was quite gentle and, and just really endearing. <laughs> and, and sure enough, my little boy is exactly that, quite sensitive and calm. But, you know, obviously t- he has now hit uh, toddlerhood and a little <laughs> bit more up and about and and asserting his um, will, which is just so wonderful. I love it. (laughs) But there's moments where I just do a lot of deep breathing. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. All that work. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Trying not to buy into um, or get caught up in his um, frustrations. That's always challenging. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's a real, real thing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Week 24, week 27 stands out for me. It was at that stage and I thought, oh, I really... I think we need to look into some birthing classes. Like, <laughs> you know, we really need to probably do a bit more there. And I had a one of our good friends' mum is Rhea Dempsey, and Rhea Dempsey oh. is really renowned in the birthing world. And and I was like, yes, that's what I want. Oh, look, I, I, I fundamentally I knew that I wanted a natural birth, <laughs> but I think when a lot of people want a natural birth, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, if I can do it without, you know, this, that and the other, then great, you know. But I think, you know, you can be quite naive going to that experience and knowing what it actually entails and what what you're actually going to be like when you're dealing with a whole flood of hormones and mm. pain and everything. And it's, okay, well, how, you know, how what strategies do I have? What tools do I have? How can I work through that? And that became really important to me to learn more about, so I went, we went along to Rhea's workshops and I would ha- I absolutely recommend that to anyone. You know, she's a feminist at heart and I absolutely adore that. And yeah, she really is quite clear with just the capability or the capability of, of women's bodies and mm. how we are absolutely built to birth without the need of intervention mm. and, you know, trying to really support women in modern day, which is in our culture, we are very much in a medicalized system mm. in terms of how to birth and to help create awareness of, you know, well, there's other ways of doing this and it doesn't need to actually involve as much intervention as, as 
potentially, you know, maybe offered to you at hospitals, et cetera. So the blinkers came off and I was just exposed to this whole world of birthing from her, that particular workshop. And I was like, right, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to do as much reading as I can and, and just learn as much as I can. Yeah. So every hospital visit I had, I went through a, like a shared care setup. Every hospital visit that I had, I was really hell bent on learning more and asking a lot of questions. And I was really fortunate enough, really late in the piece, to be honest, to come in contact with a midwife who just knew that I, just from the questioning that I had, I wanted a natural birth. And she kind of (laughs) in a roundabout way was like, okay, well, I'm going to put you onto our MIST program. The MIST and the Cosmos program at the Royal Women's is basically midwifery led. For me, that was such relief to be able to be put onto that program because I I knew that I would have a a higher chance of being supported for a natural birth rather than going to the hospital generally and not know who was going to support me for my birth. Yeah, I was really relieved to have had that support. When I went in for that appointment, it was week 32, so I really didn't have long to go. And I knew that I wasn't going to meet everyone or all the midwives on the team before the births. But yeah, it was just one extra thing that was just building my confidence to be able to birth the way I wanted to. After his workshops, I I was really interested in learning more about doulas and the work that they did and yeah. just how supportive they are of you in the birthing process. And I that meant a lot to me. I was like, okay, I don't know who I'm going to get to the hospital, let's be honest. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like. But if I have someone in my back corner that can really support me and my husband and, you know, help us work towards our, our ideal birth, that was really important. So I did a lot of research and then I came across Fiona Harrison. Yeah. So Fiona became our doula and she just got us. She just, she just, we, we just clicked. She was, came and I just knew that she was going to be just perfect for us and, and support us really well through that process leading up to the birth and then during. I think through having Fiona's support, she recommended a lot of resources. Um, Juju Sundan's book, um, Birth Skills, was a really great book that she recommended that we that I read, and that was fantastic. It was such a practical guide to what tools you could you could utilize during that birth process. Absolutely, a really great read that I definitely recommend to other mamas. I, I think it came to the point of the birth and I was just, I was ready. I was so ready to go. I was so excited. I just, I just wanted the day to come. <laughs> yeah. So I went in for a final appointment and then I just started getting a few niggles, I think the day after the appointment. And I was like, oh, you know, wondering if this is it. And it kind of lasted for a couple of days, to be honest, but I wasn't, I wasn't too fussed by it. It was probably Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Friday came and I remember I was booked in for a pedicure and it was like a, a Christmas present. And I thought, well, I better use this because, you know, I'm probably not going to get much of a chance after it. I don't know yeah. what that space looks like. Yeah, I was like, so I went for a pedicure and I remember lying on the table and just, I, I was just doing so much deep breathing. And I was just like, oh, this is really ramping up now. My brother contacted me and, you know, I was supposed to go out with, to dinner with him. And he was like, so are we catching up tonight? And I was like, oh, I, I actually don't think I can, I can. And he was like, oh, okay, whatever. And I said, I'll speak to you tomorrow. And I was just like, yeah, this is just not right. I remember lying on the bed and um, at home and Cam was with me and he's like, do you think this is going to, this is really happening? I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, (laughs) we just didn't really know, you know, this could, this could happen for a couple of days. Who knew? We decided to take as much rest as possible and got into bed that night. And I think it was about three o'clock in the morning and I just, was just awake. I was just really uncomfortable and I had a TENS machine. So I decided to get that on it. Yeah. Just labored at home as 
as long as I could and I just knew that was really important. Got out all the tools. I had a little bit of home circuit going on at home, just walking, moving my body. I sat on the exercise ball and just breathe through each contraction and you know we had a, an eclectic playlist and just listen to it as much as we could and Cam had cut up bits of pineapple for me and had some you know nuts at hand on hand and I just couldn't eat much I just pineapple was like the, the best thing that I could be doing at that stage so I just remember having bits of that but just keeping fluids up I had a, a really great labor aid so I just kept my hydration up during that stage and then I felt I just all of a sudden had this like really a strong urge to push like I was like got this pushing and I was like oh god and throughout this whole process Fiona was awesome in terms of fielding all of Cam's questions just speaking to him on the phone and I could just tell from afar that he was a little bit wide with the whole experience you know (laughs) just seeing your wife go through this whole thing I'm sure it would be really intense to watch and witness you know so she was brilliant she just kept him really confident in terms of the the stage that we were at and kept him calm and then as soon as she he'd texted her to say that I had an urges to push she was like yeah you need to get to the hospital so (laughs) right let's go let's get in the car and he was kind of like running and I was like I could barely walk like out of out of our apartment where we live I could barely walk and the, I remember another man was in the same lift as us and he's like oh my god you're in labor are you okay so I was like I'm fine I'm fine you know but Cam was like literally running away from me as though like he wanted me to run with him I'm like no buddy that's not gonna happen <laughs> the opposite of what's about to happen Cam. yeah so I, I I was just uh, yeah all on all fours in the back seat it was just really they were coming pretty thick and fast by then so yeah I felt like I was quite far on but I heard so many stories of women being turned away at hospital and I was like you know I hope that it's it's gone far enough and sure enough thankfully when I actually finally got seen I was six centimeters dilated which was awesome so we'd worked like such a great team and so hard at home and yeah just stayed as long as I could and I remember saying to Cam no I don't think I'm ready to go yet he's like we're getting in the car we've been told we need to get in the car we're getting in the car so oh Oh but you know I think it's really funny and I've definitely flirted with the idea of having a home birth for our firstborn Emmett but I, yeah, I was just like, there's too many unknowns. I didn't know how my body was going to cope with it. I didn't know yeah, anything, that would, how it was going to go down on the day. And I just decided in the end, it was going to be best for us to birth at the hospital and take all of our amazing knowledge that we had. The drive to the hospital and then getting there, everything just stalled. And that was because we, you know, we had the interruption. I, I disturbed my birth space. You know, yeah. we had a really great rhythm at home. Everything was going so well it was all tracking really beautifully and then obviously the interruption of getting to the hospital then not having a room it was really really busy you know it just stalled everything I, I sat in an assessment room for two or three hours without being in a birth suite because there was just no no room and I just had to keep on breathing through it and just using my affirmations and just being near Cam and just having that connection with him and just trying to keep as centered as and, and as calm as possible and yeah. I think I had such a great birth and I'm happy it worked for us and after it I was just like no I I think I really want to try a home birth next time but you know in saying that we had a really great birth Fiona came a few hours before we birthed Emmett it was just so magical I felt so empowered I think there was quite a few times when Fiona was looking at Cam and she's like I actually don't know what stage she's at I think it was just (laughs) 
she said, I didn't even know that if you were really in transition because I was, I was so lucid. I remember asking lots of questions. I was thanking everyone before I'd actually given birth. I'm like, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Like, I'm really, I, like, your support's amazing. Fiona, your hands are so warm. Thank you. Like, <laughs> I just remember thanking everyone. It was just, it was just so, there was so much love in the room. You know, that oxytocin is so, so beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, it was just such strong love and just so positive and, yeah, euphoric. It was just such a beautiful experience. I had birthed Emmett and and then just held him in my arms and, oh, I've just the love that you have feel, just that, you know, and, and just to think of our previous experiences of while it just all, ah, oh, it just all came together and it was just, it, it just felt right. I just was mm. felt so proud to be holding this little being that we'd created. Oh. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty special. <laughs> so, so magic, right? Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about those first kind of like five or ten minutes. What was it like in the little bubble with Cam and Emmett? There was a lot going on around us. I was talking with Fiona and I was talking with Cam and the birth space became a little bit more active and I think in hindsight, I was just, and this is, you know, a lot later on in, down the track. The second time around, I really wanted to keep post-birth a lot more cave-like and still and calm. And, and I, but it just became this big party. Like Cam, he's quite gregarious in nature, nature. So he was just like, oh, you know, and just <laughs> elated. So he was just like high fives to everyone and, you know, just became really like big laughs and, you know. I was in there too. It was just like, yeah, this is great. And so we just started having big laughs and conversation and it was just the lights went up and, you know, I just remember holding this little baby and just looking down and just to see this little person that I was holding. And I remember thinking, gosh, you look, you, you look so, so much like a stranger to me. I don't quite know, you know, he, he didn't he didn't look anything like me. He looked like my father-in-law and I just couldn't... <laughs> I was like, wow, like I'm so glad that I birthed you because if I didn't, (laughs) you know, I just, you wouldn't know that you're my child. Like, you know, he had such strong gribble features. He was just, he was 100% yeah, cam side. (laughs) So, yeah, and then he latched beautifully to the breast and that was so nice to be able to have like my first breastfeed with him. And, And then soon after that, the whole breastfeeding experience just, went pear-shaped very quickly it was just so special to hold this little warm being that I just you know I just couldn't wait to get to know more and and just cuddle him and yeah so first breastfeed was beautiful like absolutely no issues whatsoever and then every feed after that it was just you know I had a lot of nipple damage and I was basically on a pathway for a 24-hour in and out and then I sort of said to them, look, is there any chance that I could stay an extra night because I just really want Mm. support with breastfeeding. And I think, again, everything in hindsight, right, I'd poured so much energy and focus into birth and birthing and and pregnancy and that just literally consumed the whole process for me. But I did very little in the way of learning about breastfeeding, like literally nothing. And I just, I think like a lot of women, you go into uh, breastfeeding thinking it's going to be such a, a natural a skill, you know, it's, it's just something that's just yeah. going to come so naturally, you know, eventually it does for sure. But you, both you and baby are learning to do this. It's something that yeah. is a learned skill. It knocked me for six. It really, yeah, that first six weeks was really, really challenging. And I just, you know, cried at most feeds. My nipples were so sensitive. I just had so many, so many different people giving me different advice. You know, I'd, I'd go to different breastfeeding drop-in clinics 
I'd go online, I'd have a look up online, which probably isn't that helpful when you're, when you're sleep deprived and with a newborn. And then obviously the Australian Breastfeeding Association, which were great, they were fantastic. But every time I spoke to someone, whether it was in face, uh, face-to-face or uh, over the phone, everyone was giving me some different advice. And I remember just thinking, this is all a bit too much. Like I, I just need one school of thought. And that's where I actually reached out to Amberly Harris. I believe you've had Amberly on your show before. I love Amber. Yes. Big fans. <laughs> massive, massive fan. Oh my gosh. She was my queen of oh, just amazingness. Yes. <laughs> How do yes. I just she's just she was just such a wonderful support and mm. resource to have. And she just allayed all my fears. We just got everything out she just took took all fielded all my questions nothing was too hard with her but the best thing was of all was that I had as I said that one school of thought that one way that I could just tackle this and get it right and so I literally did everything she said said to the dot I just I just relied on her 110 percent in that early phase so yeah look she promised she was like I promise you after that six weeks you'll literally get to the six week mark and everything will start to change you'll just it'll just click she's I've seen it time and time again. Trust me, just keep working with it, keep persevering. And I did. And oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that I did. I managed to feed him until about he was 15 months in the end. I'm just so grateful for all of it and believe support and would definitely recommend if anyone else was struggling with breastfeeding and and just feeling like they weren't getting anywhere. And and that's that same thing that they were just getting a lot of conflicting information that, you know, sometimes it is just to work with one person, whoever that might be. Yeah, so, so important. And I would Mm. say if you can get onto that during pregnancy, it's so important because in that haze, when you actually need someone, it's so darn hard to filter out the noise, isn't it? I think that's the thing. You've got a newborn and you're sleep deprived and there's that huge transformation from maiden to mother, you know, becoming, stepping into motherhood is such a massive transition. And so you're dealing with all of this on the go. You're dealing with it on the fly. You know, you've not done this before, so it's all new experiences every single moment. And then having to then work out how to breastfeed. I mean, it was just, I really wish I had given a lot more energy to it beforehand. But Mm -hmm. in saying that, there's also a lot to say for actually being in the moment and actually working with your body in real time because you know, you can do all the reading you want and until you're there in that moment, there's power in actually just seeing what comes to you with, with, yeah. with your baby. Yeah, you yeah. really don't know what you don't know. I think it's easy to get yeah. to the, like post-birth and be like, oh my goodness, I didn't prepare anything for postpartum. But at the same time, nothing can fully prepare you for postpartum anyway. No, So no. <laughs> it's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's a tricky one. <laughs> it is. Look, it's probably a big life lesson of mine and, and what I work so hard for constantly at different, different, you know, things in life. But I think it's a school teacher by heart. It's that preparedness, you know, I'm trying to be as prepared as I can. So I feel much more confident and okay with the situation. And to be honest, there's just things that you can't prepare for you know and and that whole idea of being open to change you know it can be really really overwhelming half the battle is actually acknowledging that it's overwhelming and half the battle is actually allowing people in on your journey to help and support you and I think when when you have found the right people that resonate with you then Mm -hmm. go with it you know we're not meant to to do this alone and we do need our village we more than ever oh my gosh it's it's parenting is not a a solo journey it can't be 
absolutely <laughs> not. Definitely yeah. not. And I think people are quite familiar with the idea of like thinking of a village or a kinship network as being friends or family. But I think we do really need to think about extending that out to trusted mm. healthcare providers as well, because when you yeah. have that connection, when that fit does fit it is so Mm. powerful if we circle back to what we were saying right at the beginning you know having a support network it doesn't necessarily mean family friends it it can be easier sometimes to have people that are are not emotionally attached to you in any way but that can understand your experiences whether professional sense or a shared understanding because they've also gone through that yeah so so powerful and how else were you feeling in that postpartum period how were you feeling emotionally The first six weeks were really challenging. Lots of tears and very, I just remember, I just remember feeling like my brain, I could definitely feel my brain just, the hormones just definitely flooding my whole system. You know, you just feel pretty overwhelmed to be honest yeah it was it was really you know sometimes hard to stay positive and I remember feeling like my body wasn't my own you know Mm -hmm. my body wasn't my own anymore I had this little person that really needed me and I I struggled with that that wasn't a a thing that I that I felt overly comfortable with at the beginning your body is recovering from birth number one but then you know your body's also so sore from breastfeeding and just naturally healing and coming together again I think the big thing is that you know I was kind of in a bit of a rush to try and like get it all back to normal like but what was normal (laughs) you know life was never going to be the same as much as I was outwardly positive you know behind closed doors there was just definitely moments where I just wasn't coping where it all sort of changed was from that six week, six week mark. So mm. as soon as breastfeeding became a lot more bearable and we had our rhythm, Emmett knew what he was doing. I knew what I was doing. It just sort of all fell into place. From that point, everything just changed. It was just, I felt so much more confident. I felt I was much more rested. I had, he was a dream sleeper. So he slept for extended periods of time in any kind of setting. That was again, a game changer because I think if you don't have a sleeping baby. That sleep deprivation can be really, really overwhelming. Hello, Delmi. Let's talk about identity shifts. You've talked a little bit about that transition from maiden to mother. How were you or were you experiencing identity shifts at that point? Going from maiden to mother was massive. I think the thing is, is that, you know, you you think about having a baby and holding a baby, but what does that actually look like? What does it mm. feel like? How much is it going to consume you? Mm. And, you know, we talk about sleep deprivation was definitely a big thing in the early part. But, you know, I think ultimately for me it was as soon as the breastfeeding had, had sort of really settled down and we had our little rhythm, it just became so much more easy and bearable and I really enjoyed being a mum from that point, you know, but I think that it was just that huge flood of hormones and just the the actual initial adjustment to having to care for another being. And, and as I said, that because of I was breastfeeding, my body wasn't my own anymore. Mm. So it was being able to care and nurture another human being. And I just, you just don't know what that's going to look like. You don't know what that's going to feel like for you. Yeah. It was a huge adjustment. It was a huge change. And I, the second time easier because I'd done it before, I still journaled extensively on it because for me, that was really important to really connect with that feeling again, you know, just the energy that you needed to really support your newborn in those initial um, days was just, it's, it's an intense process. So I, I really felt like I still needed to get to prepare for that. Mm. It's massive. 
I had time in between the newborn phase in a sense was kind of over. I felt like I had a bit more time to myself to after birthing Emma, I was just so, well, I had all of these creative ideas and interests yeah. and I really wanted to get into yoga and I thought I had obviously my own practice, but yeah, I really wanted to teach yoga, but I wanted to understand the philosophy a lot more intimately and I wanted to really understand more deeply as to why I felt so good every time I left the shala. <laughs> that was really important to me and I knew that even practicing yoga in that postpartum period for me was so nice and nourishing and it made me feel really good in my like mentally as well as physically I wanted other mums to feel like that as well if that was of interest to them so I into doing some studying again and yeah became a yoga teacher went through the Australian Yoga Academy and had the most amazing experience that spark of creativity was lit from having a baby I wanted to share my knowledge that I had from my own birth experience but to, to really create more of uh, more networks of, um, for mamas to, to meet and, and to be together and to, sh- to share and and to not be alone and not be isolated in the highs and the lows it's it can be a really isolating experience at times you know and especially I think when that shift has occurred because you've obviously got your former life of whatever that looks like for yeah. a lot of people or women they've they've worked and then they go home and then they're they're raising a a little baby and it's Mm -hmm. it can be really disorientating and it's Mm -hmm. like well what's my purpose what am I you know what am I doing (laughs) you know beyond obviously caring for your child let's not underestimate that it's the power in that it's huge but in terms of your own identity in terms of whatever you've done in life before it can be a real it's a massive adjustment so being able to connect with community of women was so important so yeah I got into mums and bubs yoga I did that fairly locally in Brunswick it was just good it had just a good vibe about it and you know I could come home and I felt like I'd been acknowledged and I was acknowledging what other people were experiencing it was just you'd come home and you felt yeah heard acknowledged validated for all the things you're experiencing you know I knew that I wanted to do some further study in prenatal and postnatal yoga so I did that at the same time and then also yin yoga because I love the fact of you know we live in such a yang world which is just the energy the output of energy is go 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 but how can we channel more of that yin element that quietening more grounded kind of activity I did all this this is something that I I wanted to to live by and to be able to offer to other mamas I think that connection and that community is so so important going back to this way of being together is really important and powerful you need to see yourself mirrored back at you at that point I think a lot of my friends didn't have children or weren't pregnant or and so you know my social networks were changing quite a lot as well yeah I just I just I was shifting in all manners of ways. It was just, it was just a big, big adjustment. But I was happy with that. I was happy just to keep looking for what was going to be of best, best support for myself and for my family and for my little one, really. Mm, my gosh, you speak about that so powerfully. I think it's just a huge transformation. Big work. Yeah, it's huge. It really is. It's kind of just a little bit of relinquishing what you've had as well in a sense of and being okay to pursue where life is taking you or as well that you've got this beautiful life that you're like totally smitten with and, you know, you just want to spend every waking moment with them and just to see them growing and developing and that's where I wanted to put my time and my energy and, and to be there for my children was so important and it was just a natural parting in a sense of just mm. shifting your focuses and and 
it's amazing how when life can just sort of merge from one space to the next and you kind of wonder how that happened, but it just did. Totally. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. And at what point did you think that perhaps you would like to extend your family again? Again, my husband was really ready to have a second babe and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, well, um, maybe we'll try. <laughs> I, I don't know. I was just like, yeah, I, I just, again, I felt like I really had found my groove and I really wanted to to nurture the networks that I'd developed through the yoga community. And that was important to me. So I, I did that for six more months. And, you know, in that time, I'd also developed some um, prenatal workshops and, you know, just, I just kept on creating the creative juices were just flowing so, so yeah. much. I was just, I just, I just didn't want to stop. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know what? It's not, it's not going to stop. Like if these doors close, it's, it's cause it was meant to happen that way. You know, things happen yeah. for a reason and I'm a true believer of that. Mm. And I just, uh, that was definitely a point in my life where I had to just be like, again, it's okay. It's not that you're going to lose anything here. Nothing's going to be lost. It's just a matter of this was an opportunity that's come available. It's been so much fun. I've really enjoyed the ride, but it doesn't have to end here and it won't. If this is something that you really want to work towards, then it's going to come back. So this is my self-talk. Yeah, it's going to come back. Like children don't have to get in the way of that and they won't. And, uh, you know, you you still can create space for the things that you want to do. What do you want more? And it was to have a second baby. We really, we we knew that we wanted to have more than one and we started trying again and, um, and luckily I fell pregnant straight away. And I think in the back of my mind, I was very concerned uh, of miscarrying again. But at this time, I was much more vocal of, you know, letting people in and sharing that we were pregnant early on. For me, I was just like, I'm done with keeping it to myself. I, I don't want to be isolated in my in my thoughts and my feelings if things don't pan out. And if yeah. they do, fantastic. But I just, I wanted to let more people in the second time around. So yeah, very open with it the second time. And again, I just, I wanted to have a bit of an earlier scan to make sure that everything was fine. And it was, and we didn't find out for both pregnancies, what, what um, sex we were having, but both times we were convinced that we were going to be boys and sure enough, they were. No. <laughs> yeah. So little Sunny came into our lives in February this year. And oh I wanted to honour time for this baby that I was having. I wanted Cam and I to, you know, create space in our lives to be able to honour this baby that was going to come into our lives, you know. Yeah. That was important to me. So we decided to get into hypnobirthing. I had a, a beautiful friend of mine who was one of my lecturers at, at AYA, the Australian Yoga Academy. She started hypnobirthing and it became an instructor. And so she allowed us to be one of her first clients. And oh, it was so it was so great to be able to speak to Mel, Mel McIntosh about our experience first time around and, you know, to talk about birth and the labor process. Cause you know, you kind of it's out of sight, out of mind. You kind of, it's nice to just bring all of that back again and think, okay, well, what did happen? Oh, that's right. And, you know, what do we want to happen this time around? And yeah, it's just sort of bringing that energy back. Yeah. <laughs> so she was great. She's like, you guys are going to be fine. And I'm like, yeah, we know. But we wanted to just, as I said, honor this, this pregnancy and honor this yeah. baby with the same love, the same amount of focus, I suppose, that we yes. did for Emmett. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm so glad we did. And as I said, it really created space for Cam and I to, to talk about it because mm. to be honest when you've got a little toddler running around you don't have much time it's all about them yeah, totally. <laughs> so 
So it was really nice for us to be able to connect and talk about what we wanted. And, and as I said before, we, I really I did want a, a home birth this time around. So we spoke a lot more about that. Cameron was, I suppose, a bit more concerned about home birthing because it was seen it seemed to be quite foreign and scary. And I think the perception that it is quite a scary thing, but it's really not. We had the beautiful team from Mama, uh, Mama Midwives in Kensington. We just spoke with Jan Island um, a lot about what wanted and why, and and she was just so wonderful, her and Kelly, and just so supportive of us. And I think the thing is for us, we were just so positive towards being pregnant and there was no fear attached and we were just so confident about this this experience and and for them that was they they took total delight in that you know I think it might be that you know a lot of clients there's a lot of fear especially if you've never been through it before a lot of fear of the unknown that's human nature and so for us, it was like, no, 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 we want the home birth because this is where we are confident. Obviously, with COVID hitting as well, it was just icing on the cake for the, our decision to be made, really. And the first trimester was a little bit, yeah, I was pretty sick, to be honest, up until week 19, I think it was. Mm. Um, and then from there, it all sort of just changed. But I think my energy was quite low just because, you know, running around after a toddler. And But, yeah, we stayed with my mum and dad uh, for an extended time across that COVID lockdown in 2020, which was a great help they had a lot more space at their house than we we do in our little apartment so <laughs> that Amazing. was a welcome oh, yeah so precious yeah yeah and then yeah we had sunny and it was it was everything that I that I wanted in terms of an uninterrupted labor we could just it just flowed so quickly to be honest it, as I said just to not have that interruption of rushing to a hospital and yeah. and just fully trusting my body and and just channeling everything that I had learned and that I share with other mamas in prenatal workshops like that was I just channeled all of that knowledge and but just felt really yeah really comfortable and confident to to birth at home and and to yeah to become a mum again and to a second little baby and yeah it was really magical Sunny came at just before eight in the morning and I remember Jan and Kelly pretty much left about two and a half, three hours later. Maybe it wasn't that soon, but it was definitely, you know, no more than four hours. And they'd left and it was like nothing had happened, but we had this yeah. little baby. It was just so strange. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. magical. Everything has yeah. changed, but nothing has changed. Yes, yes. Wild. I've spoken to you a bit about, you know, just how grueling that first six weeks for, for me was with Emmett. And I was just hell-bent on wanting to make sure that that first six weeks this time around was as smooth as, po- as it possibly could be. So. Yeah just had friends and um, my mom on board to prepare broths and different meals that I really wanted to make sure I was eating postpartum to support my recovery. I, we were lucky enough that Cam had a lot of leave with work. <laughs> the idea was that he was going to take six weeks off to be at home so he could be home with Emmett and, oh, and Sunny and myself. Oh, and yeah. But that quickly changed with a lot of heavy work requirements that just came out of, we just didn't anticipate it was going to go down like it did. But but to be honest, it was it was okay. We were we were in a really good space. Yeah, Sunny took to feeding beautifully, which I was just so relieved <laughs> relieved about. And I actually did have the support of Sarah This, which she's a lactation consultant at Mama. She was wonderful earlier on. It's just that I went from, obviously, my last experience with breastfeeding was 
when Emma was a toddler. So I had to go from remembering how to breastfeed a newborn rather than a toddler. So the first, I think the first week and a half, you know, I had a little bit of damage, but it soon healed. And I just really focused on baby led attachment with Sonny and he just did such a great job. Yeah. He was just fed, fed really, really well. So yeah, that was, uh, it was just such a wildly different experience the second time around so, so compared to our first. Yeah, we just we just stayed in that beautiful newborn bubble. And Emmett was amazing with Sunny. It was really inter- interesting to see how he was going to respond to baby. And I was a bit concerned with how he would go. And I, I remember just being so emotional before having Sunny about having to share my time and yeah. and that my heart was sort of going out to Emmett even before it had happened that I wasn't going to be able to focus on him as much as I had and it broke my heart you know mm. Emmett went through a big a big change and a big adjustment of having a baby in the house and he'd wake up at uh, god knows what time in the morning because he would hear Sunny and he'd be like mm. hello is everyone okay is oh everything okay gosh. is everything all right we're like we're fine Emmett and so he's like okay good and I said, like, come on, back to bed. But then he was like, but then he realised that there was a baby in our room and why I wasn't, it was just the cogs were churning. And then as time went on, it was it was much more tricky for him, you know, a few weeks in rather than first off, first the first couple of days. We just had to get used to life as a family of four. And, and you know, Emmett was also starting at kinder and, you know, that was a big scary thing for him. So it was just supporting him with that and, yeah, but thankfully he absolutely dotes and adores Sunny. He just, yeah, thinks he's the best. It, it's really funny. You can hear yourself in, you know, when he's having little conversations with him. You can hear, I can hear myself in him and, and the things he's saying and he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Looking down at him, dangling toys over the, and I'm, oh, I'm like, oh, is that what I sound like? Is that what I say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But he's just, yeah, he's really beautiful with him. He's just such a sweet little boy and it's really nice to be able to see their interactions now and the smiles that you, they, they have between each other. And, oh, it's just cute. Oh, Julia. Not to say that Emmett hasn't been challenging at times because obviously he's vying for my attention. Big feelings. Yeah, it's big. It's huge feelings for such a little person and, you know, all they want is mummy. So I think that definitely I've felt stretched at times to to be there for both of them. That's been really challenging at times. But, you know, I think the more that time goes on, the the less intense it becomes. So yeah. it does get easier. <laughs> and what about finding time to recharge for yourself? How has that felt this time around? So different. Mm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Look, I incidental yoga is a blessing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just it, I'm still learning to be honest. I really am learning how to to fit all of that in. And to be honest, because the goalposts are constantly changing with young children, they change all the time. Um, so it's just being flexible and open minded. And I think it's just you know focusing on the things that ha- you have been able to achieve in the day and the things that are going well but I think in terms of self-care if for me it's kind of it, it genuinely is I'm like yes I'm going to turn the kettle on and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have this warm drink and then that doesn't happen and I'm like okay that's okay because I may have had a sip but that's okay and then I'm thinking okay well later on I'll just try and um, I'll get on the mat and the boys can be around me and that actually works out quite well to be honest but it's only ever like a 10 minute 20 minute thing max you know and it's very much yoga with goats. 
<laughs> yes, yes. Oh, I would liken Emmett to his um, yoga sand bag but, bag, but with extra sand that lies all over me when I'm trying to practice, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, it's building mummy's strength. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, look, it's just, it's fun. And I think that the thing is he's of an age where I can involve him and he loves to be able to practice with me and, and join in at times. And if he doesn't, that's fine. He'll just bring me little toys and I kind of play with him on the side as I'm practicing. And yeah, so it's just, it's just needing to be creative sometimes. And, and, and to be honest, I, as I said, if I can roll out the mat and just 10, 20 minutes of practice in, great, I'm doing a really good thing. And if I can do that a couple of times a week, fantastic. But I think what I have been probably doing more is, and I suppose this is that whole thing of that creativity is just spending a lot of time documenting things that I really want to, like projects that I'd really love to start pursuing. And so when the time's right, when I, I when I do have a bit more time or when I have a spare moment, I kind of just chip away at things. And it's amazing just how how quickly things start to come together. So, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to really find myself moving back into, you know, starting to, you know, run a couple of classes again a week and, and that's exciting for me. I'm like, yes, I kind of need this for my own, for myself because, you know, a big chunk of the day is there for my children and, and rightfully so. That's absolutely where my attention should be right now. You know, I do think it's important to try and carve out time for myself. And, and the reason being is because when parents are actually actively pursuing things for themselves, you are being such a great role model for your children. You, you can't get better than that. You've, they've got to see what, what people are doing around them, to notice what they're doing and really be that role model for them, to do and be whatever they want. So that to me is important. If I do everything for my children and nothing for myself, that's, you know, a part of that learning is kind of lost for them, you know. So it's important that they have role models and, and what better role model to have than a parent. Yeah. Julia, how can people connect with all of your amazing offerings? Yeah, so I have an Instagram page, Yoga with Julia Rose. They can jump on there to have a look at my offerings. And you have so many great tips. Just before we came on, I was doing a bit of a stalk back and your incidental yoga <laughs> is so gorgeous really great <laughs> ideas for just kind of setting up a bit of a space for little loves to join in with that as well I think we've got to carve all the time that we can to do those things to recharge and refill our cups and souls it's really important absolutely absolutely and I think you know uh, look who doesn't love getting on the mat for a you know a good hour yeah. length or 45 minutes session but yeah. to be honest it's not it's not really feasible so you know, if you can get on the mat for uh, even if it's a pose at a time, you're doing a great job. You know, it's just really being kind to yourself and your body and gets, getting some kind of movement is is important. Oh, mm-hmm. Julia, it's been such a delight speaking with you today. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your parenthood journey and just speaking so openly and honestly about the sparkly and grey moments. Of Not parenthood. so sparkly. Yeah. <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> Yeah, you're more than welcome, Charlotte. I really have enjoyed, yeah, talking with you. And yeah, I think it's it's so lovely to have a podcast like yours to to be able to have families hear different people's perspectives and, and experiences because there's such power in that. It is such a joy to share these stories with you each week. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review or share it with someone in your very own kin. You can see all of the gorgeous images of the families that join me each week and get the latest news from Kin on Instagram at Kin by Charlotte. I can't wait to chat with you next week. Mm-hmm.